Hey everybody, today's guest is guitarist and lead vocalist Alexia Roditis from the Sacramento, California punk rock band Destroy Boys. Together, we break down the writing, recording, and inspiration behind their 2020 standalone single, Fences, a song that in a relatively short period of time has garnered 2.6 million YouTube views and has become a runaway favorite for fans of the band. Alexia mentioned that Destroy Boys are a collaborative. The individual songs that the band members bring to the table aren't by any means finished until the rest of them put their stamp on it. She went on to list various influences among the other members, and it was cool to pick out a few of those within the track. I told Alexia that the band has a unique sound. The vocal melodies straddle a fine line between angsty and pop, leaning towards the former, but perfectly blending the two. And the lyrics. Wow, there's some great imagery here, and the inspiration for the lyrics come from a super relatable place. And I had a chance to see the band live a few months ago, and they are a must-see. For all this and a whole lot more, stay tuned. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Alexia, how's it going? Hi, Chris. I'm good. How are you doing? I feel like I just saw you. I kind of did. I know, right? It was it actually wasn't that long ago. Like, it feels like a long time. It's been months, but it's also been like maybe just just two months, which is not that long. No, I, I was telling my producer, Chris, before we started rolling how, how we met. You know, I had been hearing about Destroy Boys for a while, and I just didn't get a chance to, to listen to your band. And I found out that you were playing these European festivals with us back in yeah. June. I'm like, I'm going to check them out. I think you did like one or two shows. I didn't see the band. And then we had an off day at a campground in Italy, which by the way, do you guys go to campgrounds often? Cause we do in Europe. Yeah. I mean, honestly, like that was our first time having a bus on tour. So maybe it'll be more common, but that was the first time that we were at, at a campground in a bus before. It was awesome. It was really cool. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> so your bus was broke down that day. I saw your driver going crazy. You're outside. And were you speaking Italian? What language were you speaking? I heard you speak something. Oh, I was probably speaking Spanish. Um, my dad is Argentinian. And I probably I think I called him that day and like gave him a little tour um, of the bus and stuff. No, dude, it was like so crazy when we were parked next to you guys, like like less than Jake, because I don't know if I told you this already, but my first sort of like real concert was Real Big Fish and Less Than Jake, like back in 2014. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I, I didn't know that. And yeah. And yeah, I had walked by you that day and I, I thought you were speaking because we were in Italy. Mm -hmm. I didn't even think you were speaking Spanish. I thought I'm like, oh, that must be the, the tour manager. This must be an Italian band. Then, And it's the very next day. I want to say we were in Switzerland yeah. at the Greenfield Festival mm -hmm. and... I ran into, was it that day I ran into you? I, I ran into you at some point in yeah. catering and I said, hey, I do this show. I finally saw the band at that point. I'd love to have you on and, and here you are. So thank you. That was a fun. I think we were in Austria. I think it was Spam, I think was when we talked. Okay. I could be tripping. It's all, okay. it all kind of runs together. It also no, it probably was Greenfield. Oh man, I don't know. It does all kind of run together because you're just waking up in another field in Europe. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, I always have people ask me, they'll be like, where were you yesterday? I'll be on the phone. I'm like, uh, and they're like, what are you doing out there, man? You don't even know where you're at yesterday? I'm like, yeah. okay, okay, yes, I do know. It just took me a second to think. <laughs> yeah, it's like I just don't immediately know because when you're like, you know, like when you're in the festival, like they all look the same, you know, you're in the back area of the festival. There's like buses and people walking around and it doesn't really like look that different from all the other places that you're in. Right. Well, you said you saw Less Than Jake and Real Big Fish in 2014. Destroy Boys were formed in Sacramento in 2015 and you know, we were talking a little bit at night and it was SBAM the day in Austria. We, we were, we were talking about the show and you said, well, yeah, it's me and it's, it's Violet who also writes songs in the band, but it's kind of a collaborative effort. So you kind of all bring them to rehearsal or you're sending demos around and it, you know, whoever had the initial idea, it ends up becoming everybody's. It sounds like. Yeah, that's probably what you prefer to write. We've definitely like tried different things, but the, definitely the preferred way is to 
send it in the group chat and so that everybody can know sort of what the song sounds like, the get a sort of idea of what the structure is, and then we all kind of come together and perform it and or try, you know, just play through and be like, okay, we'll just see what happens. Or sometimes Vi and I will get together and we'll, me and her will like flesh out the sort of guitar parts. She plays the guitar, I play guitar, we both sing too. And so we'll get together and flesh out the sort of main, the structure, the her parts, my parts. And then we take it to our drummer, Narse, and like continue to work on it together. I got to ask you, okay, because you're uh, you're way younger than I am. <laughs> and I hear a lot of older influences in this song. So mm-hmm. what what are some of your main influences if someone were to a- ask you? I typically don't ask this on the show, but I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by it because the recording... It sounds modern, but yet there's an old school thing to it. And I'm wondering why that is. So I would say that I draw from a lot of different genres and a lot of different people, lots of different types of performers, I'd say. And I'll definitely, the song was written a couple years ago. And so it's going to be a little different than my taste now. But I'm definitely influenced by bands like Sleater Kinney. Queen has always been a really big um, influence for me as well. Like I love sort of like theatrics in in music i'm kind of a theatery person too so i like queen's kind of like crazy over the topness to their songs yeah sleater kinney i was listening to a lot of sleater kinney at the time too and i really loved their they have lots of like dueling guitars and dueling vocals which i think are fascinating and really interesting even if it's kind of abrasive sometimes like at least it's interesting and at least it's something that i haven't heard before Oh, I also love the band Mannequin Pussy. They're a pretty big influence on me. The band is, like, super dynamic, super intense. Like, you can just really hear the emotions that come through their music, if that makes sense. Um, I feel like they're very intentional with what they do. It's, like, super raw, and but well done. And, like, Mannequin Pussy is, is a huge influence mine, of mine as well. I'm hearing like garage rock stuff, like mm-hmm. the Stooges MC5. I didn't know if maybe your parents were into some of that older stuff. It has a, you know, the chord arrangements and just the 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 feel of it, the heartbeat. I'll call it of the yeah. song reminds me of something back then, and that's why why yeah. I asked. That's funny. I would have to say that's probably my other bandmates. My drummer Narse loves like the Police and Queens of the Stone Age and. Okay, I can hear that. Yeah, and Nirvana. We all love Nirvana, too. Except I actually didn't get into Nirvana until, like, 2021, which was crazy, or 2020. But, like, he's really into Nirvana, and so's Va, you know, like, they're both very familiar with their music. And so, and Nirvana is definitely, like, something that comes through. We really like sort of bouncy rock songs, like, drain you, you know, just a lot of Nirvana is kind of like that, where it's rock and roll, but you can also just, like, bop your head to it. So you're probably hearing a bit of him. And then Vi loves like Green Day and she's more into like straightforward punk and she also loves hardcore and stuff too. At least on this track, Mm -hmm. I feel like you teeter the edge of like, it's going to go pop any second, but it never quite does. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I like that. I think that's cool, you know? Thank you. If that makes sense. (laughs) Oh no, absolutely. Like I find that, I feel like me and Vi are kind of like, John and Paul in a way where like she's really good at writing like poppy rock songs you know what I mean like she's she just writes catchy stuff I don't even know really how she does it but she's really good at just writing like this really great guitar that's really happy and kind of like boppy you know I don't know I feel like she lifts I'm kind of darker like when I write music for Destroy Boys like we both have have very different we write a lot of different stuff like individually um, but at least when it comes to Destroy Boys, I tend to bring a darker tone to it because of my vocals, like because of the guitar that I write. So I kind of bring a darker thing and then Vi can usually sort of like lift it up a bit. Mm-hmm. With, um, or her guitar is, is pretty, you know, she uses a lot of power chords and, and minors, like half steps or whatever. And so I feel like we we balance each other out and like we never really want to go too far into pop Um, but I also don't mind going there because it's fun. Yeah. And then it's another, and like, I also don't want to be like super dark and dreary and make a song that you can't mosh to. We actually definitely do have songs like that. And I do love writing music like that too. 
Um. <laughs> it sounds like you're the, the yin and the yang in the band and, and mm-hmm. you need that. You know, you need someone to pull you back. And I have that in my band. And I, I most of the uh, artists I've talked to have that. It's someone's like, I can get too dark and they can pull me back. And, and mm-hmm. uh, you get that balance. Your first record, Sorry Mom, came out in 2016. Make Room in 2018. And your latest record uh, came out in October of 2021 on Hopeless Records called Open Mouth, Open Heart. However, the song Fences, the single Fences, is a standalone single, uh, mm-hmm. and it ends up being one of your most popular songs, at least online. It's got 2.6 million views on yeah. YouTube. Congra- congratulations. Yeah. That's Thank awesome. Uh, on, a, on a standalone single, and you can see why bands are, are kind of doing this. You don't know what's going to hit. Why do you think this song uh, hit out, out, out of everything you've done so far? I think that it hit one. The music video is really cool. Olive, I think it's Olive Lagasse made the the video for it, and it's just really cool, super cool animated video. I love it. And then, I mean, the song. I think that it has a sort of Nirvana y twist to it, where it's like a dark rock song that is still like peppy. I don't know if that's really the right word to use. It, it strikes the balance. I'm like, you know, just thinking about balance right now. And it's got like a heaviness to it, but it also has like a bounciness to it. That's what we talk about. In our band, we're always talking about bounciness of a song. And I wrote this song specifically for, I mean, I wrote it for myself. And it was because I was in a cycle of just being like, is this it? I was like dating some guy and I was like, is this it? Like, is this really like all that there is, you know, is this like (laughs) the best that it's going to be? And why the hell is my life just like the same over and over again? And sort of a lot of different things. I kind of speak to this idea of like being in a hole and like all these things. And I feel like the lyrical content is very relatable to a lot of people, even though I wrote it about my own situation. Feeling like you want to scream, the lyrics are like, I want to scream, you know, cut you up like you did me. Is this all I've ever known? Is this all I've ever known? I just think that a lot of people can relate to that feeling. And so that's part of the reason why I feel like it hits so hard. And I don't know, I poured a lot of emotion into it. So I think that translates. Well, we're going to get into this song lyric by lyric in a second. I have one other question before we jump in. I noticed that Will Yip uh, produced some of your stuff. Did he produce this track? And if not, uh, who did? He didn't produce this. I love Will Yip. Will Yip is great. I think he has awesome ideas. He is a fantastic producer and a lovely person. I adore him. This was Chris Dugan. Yeah, he recorded it. He does a lot of stuff with Green Day. Like an engineer or something? That, that... Yeah, and he like will play drums for Billy's side projects and stuff like that. Um, but he just did this one-off thing. We were looking for an engineer in the Bay, and he was there. I think it sounds great. Thank you. I didn't know who recorded it. And again, I saw that you worked with Will Yip, and Will's worked with tons of great bands, Bouncing Souls, Anthony Green, Menzingers. So yeah. that's cool. Chris Dugan. All right. Well, I want to jump into the song. It's three minutes and 58 seconds. Doesn't feel like it's that long. Yeah. Song. It feel, it, it, yeah, it feels shorter. I've always said that's testament to good songwriting. Uh, we got a four-bar intro. It's just guitar playing what is the verse and chorus progression of the song, E minor, B, C, back to the B. Uh, it just happens for four bars, and then we get into verse one. Fences hold me back from mine, baby. Hold my hands and hold them tight. I like my pit. I want to stay. That way I can't fall back in again. And you let out this, ah. (laughs) (laughs) What's happening here? Ooh, what's going on a lot. When I started writing this song, part of my frustrations were that I felt like I couldn't let myself like love people and like be loved and accept love healthy relationships and healthy love I was very much seeking out and I uh, you know I still do this probably even though I try not to I think what happened was that I dated kind of like the same guy twice if that makes sense like I dated one guy a couple years before and then I dated this guy and they just kind of remind me of each other in like a not so great way they were fine but just not not great 
neither one of us had a good time, I don't think. <laughs> and I wrote this song. So the idea is that I'm behind something, that there's like a wall that's blocking me from this next place that I want to go, that I don't really know what it is. I don't really know what's on the other side of the fence, but I just know that there's a fence in front of me and that I want to get past it. And then hold my hands is kind of like a, it's about the relationship. And then I like my pit. I want to stay that way. I can't fall in again. I feel like it's pretty out there already, like kind of clear, but it's kind of with the idea that like, you know, I get this feeling a lot of the time that I'm sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop, like waiting for something bad to happen. That's something that I've struggled with a lot, like not being able to enjoy the situation that I'm in instead of kind of worrying about the next thing. And so this sort of like whole idea is that like if you're at rock bottom, then like you can't, you know, or like if you're at the bottom of the pit, you can't go through the struggle or you can't go through the pain. That's what it is. Like you can't go through the pain of falling into the hole again. You know, like if you just stay right. there, if you just stay there and you live there, like you can't hurt yourself by falling in again. And I feel like that's like a metaphor for wanting to just like not improve on these things. and just wanting just the desire to like stay in the toxicity or just stay in the thing that's most comfortable. It's not always comfortable. Sometimes that's a good word, but it's also familiar. Mm-hmm. And we don't familiar. realize that we're, we're such creatures of habit as humans. <laughs> well, we'll go back to the same till, even though it, it hurt us before. And you, you know, it's kind of like we, you wonder why we do that. However, everything you're talking about, I've talked to a lot of songwriters. It's like, you know, the, it's a treasure trove of song ideas when you're feeling pain. Oh yeah. Oh, 100%. <laughs> when things, when things are rosy, you just want to, you know, lay on the Enjoy deck. You know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so there's, there's some cool stuff going on here around. I like my pit. We we hear the first instrumentation out of vocals and guitar. We get these toms, bass, and the stereo guitars. It's like a dun dun. It's mm-hmm. a hit. And then there's these light tom fills that play. After I want to stay, we get that dun dun hit again. There's some more tom fills that get a little louder. We get the hit again on the line. That way, I can't fall right there. And at the end of the line, we get a dun dun dun. And then we're into the pre-chorus. Very odd what's going on there. It mm-hmm. all works, mm-hmm. but I'm wondering how it came about. It's it's very different. Yeah, it is different. We, I mean, like my band, we really don't like sounding like other bands. And we really don't like writing the same song over and over again. And so we try everything in our power to make each of our songs sound unique and sound different. Which is something that I think like attracts people to us like and you know we play a festival or something and it's like oh wow like this band is playing a different song each song is super different you know so that's one thing is like we try really hard to make everything as dynamic as possible you know we really want to be creative and and go outside of the box and you know search for that and I think that like I know Vi is definitely, it was probably Vi and Narse, like guitarist and drummer working together to kind of make the song different. Cause I'm basically, I'm playing the same guitar throughout the verses, throughout the chorus. Like I'm playing the same, I'm playing the same thing. And so I, Vi kind of took it upon herself to add in some more choppy parts to break up the song a bit, which ended up working out great. And then Narse is also very good at accenting and, he, he really listens to the lyrics. Like, he and I have talked about sort of, like, Ringo Starr, you know? Like, listens listens to the lyrics of the music as opposed to just the music. And I have a feeling that Narce, like, consciously or subconsciously, sort of, like, building up the tension in the song as it leads up to the chorus. And then we kind of have this pop. Well, that's interesting you call that a pop because we're going to get to that in a second. <laughs> I believe that there's still tension going into the chorus, and that's what I love about it. We'll talk about that in a, we'll t- yeah. in, in a second, because when I think pop, I think, oh, we're going to, as I mentioned before, uh, we're going to go 
pop here. Yeah. We're going to go really major and it's going to go somewhere else than where it ended up. And I'll explain that in a, in a second. The pre-chorus, one of my favorite parts of the song, I love these ah, 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 ahs that are happening. Mm-hmm. They happen twice. That's when we get our first, I'm thinking at least double or triple vocal there. Is mm-hmm. that right? Mm-hmm. I love that setup that happens. And then the lyrics come in. Uh, we get double vocals all throughout this part. Drums, bass, and stereo guitars are in. Ah! I want to scream, cut you up like you did me. Is this all I've ever known? Is this all I've ever known? And I got to tell you, I've always been a fan of songs that uh, leave the listener with a question. Mm -hmm. You're asking a question, you know, you start to ponder, well, what are they saying here? What are they trying to get across? I, I, I love that. And what are you trying to get across here? What I'm trying to get across here is just like pure rage and an expression of emotion. So when I say pop, I meant, so in the back in again, ah, and there's like a scream. So I scream and then in the chorus it goes, I want to scream, cut you up like you did me. And basically what I wanted to get across from here is it's kind of just like a fuck you for causing me pain. I wish you would feel that pain. Like, why do I have to feel it? And is this going to continue for the rest of my life? You know, is this it? Is this like all that I've ever known? And more so, like, is this going to continue being the only thing I've ever known? It's kind of, like, the bigger question. It's kind of funny, too, because way later, like, way after I wrote this, I was reading um, The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedman, which is, like, an old, like, kind of preliminary, like, feminist text. And that book, I didn't finish it by any means. I only read maybe the first chapter. But in that first chapter, she talks about how women have this, you know, this was written maybe like 50s or 60s, I think. And, or maybe 70s, I'm actually not sure. Let me look that up real quick. Oh, yeah, yeah, 63. So Feminine Mystique written in, in, in 1963. Like, in the beginning, she's talking about how housewives, you know, kind of do their daily tasks. And just do the same thing, like, okay, take the kids to school or, like, make them food and then do the laundry and take care of the house and then pick up the kids and then blah, 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 and just kind of go about their day doing the same fucking thing over and over again, not really doing anything fulfilling. And at the end of one of the chapters is the question, is this all I've ever known? Or, like, is this all? Is this all? That's it. That was it. And I feel like that question, like, I thought that was crazy when I read that, like, a year later, because I feel like it begs the question of, like, what lies beyond where I'm at? There's, like, this general sense of, like, being unfulfilled. Um, And this song is, you know, based around a relationship, but relationships have a tendency to bring out all of your other demons, you know what I mean? Like, we kind of learn through other people like you know this person does something that pisses me off why does that piss me off oh shit it's actually (laughs) because of this bad this thing in the past oh no like dang it and the song is kind of like i was really i was so into this guy but i was also like so unfulfilled by it because i don't think that we really had anything for real um even and i was trying to convince myself that we did and so it was kind of like that sort of feeling of like, is this it? Like, is this all that there is? Like, I thought that this was going to make me feel really good. And it actually doesn't make me feel very good. That's highly relatable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, again, we find ourselves in situations like, why am I here? I'm, I'm miserable, but I'm but but I'm sitting in it. Essentially, I want to clarify something. There's no right or wrong here. Mm-hmm. I've been proved wrong uh, plenty of times as as, uh, as the listeners know. But what I'm calling the pre-chorus, I think you're calling this the chorus. I want to scream, cut you up like you did me. This part. Yeah, that's always an interesting thing. We've had this debate in our band, too. I always saw that part as the 
chorus and then the part after it would be like the post chorus okay great i've done that before we're definitely there's a post chorus but yeah. i'm treating this section as the pre-chorus to, to the setup but i'm almost kind of with you on this because now i understand it does lift at this pre-chorus for sure mm-hmm. at the end of pre-chorus what i'm calling pre-chorus one mm-hmm. is this all i've ever known it ends on e minor the mm-hmm. chorus what i'm or, or the post chorus that you're calling it mm-hmm. it picks up on that e minor so it's a hold there and that provides tension it's not going to another chord there i think it's really cool i'm almost going to go with you on this i'm going to say that the other part the ah ahs mm-hmm. are the pre-chorus yeah the chorus is i want to scream and then the post-chorus we're going to talk about right now the sunshine from the days now i live in shadows i'm just a dog with no bite this is all i've ever known double vocals here uh i mentioned it before the chorus doesn't really or what i'm calling the post chorus now doesn't get all happy here drums bass and stereo guitars are in the stereo guitar panned off left is playing a riff around that e minor bc back to b progression and the guitar on the right is continuously strumming that guitar panned off uh, to the left seems a little louder i love the interplay there and i'm gonna assume that that's violet off to the left playing that riff mm-hmm. yeah that's violent doing the it's riff. awesome so good it's so good it's like oh how did you do that yes the bass line is so good too it is it 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 really is so yeah we're gonna we're gonna call this the post chorus so really (laughs) the chorus is way earlier than i thought i had it at 55 (laughs) seconds but that's the post chorus chorus gets there quick probably around 40 seconds Mm -hmm. out of this post chorus we go into verse two and alexia verse two has really nothing in common with verse one, which I think is really cool. Again, mm-hmm. you're talking about wanting to be different. We don't get those dun-duns again in the song. It only happens verse one. I love it. And your drummer, is it pronounced Narsai? Narsai. Mm-hmm. Narsai. I love what's going on here in verse two. The drums are playing a syncopated pattern here for all of verse two. The bass is overdriven. It sounds really growly and awesome against the guitars. The guitar pan left is a bit louder in the mix, kind of riffing. And the guitar pan right, again, is holding down the root notes and strumming through all of verse two, which verse two is basically the post-chorus. It's the same progression, as Mm -hmm. you said. You're kind of doing, just holding down the fort. But uh, it's really what Violet's doing when they're in that guitar that just it, it's awesome Can't relax. Head stuck in the ground. In, will it ever be relax head stuck in the ground hidden will it ever be found i hope you feel i hope you feel the guilt i do you've got no shame you did the damage and i feel the pain and you just let it go on pain Mm -hmm. and it's a great it's a great scream there what's happening here Ooh, a lot i do want to say too like this song was so born out of like desperation on my part i spent a good amount of time working on it like more than sort of a lot of our other songs has kind of come up pretty quickly. And this song, I sort of took more time to tailor. I had the song, the song was done. We had done the song together and then we went to record it and I did the vocals and I was like, you know what? Like, I actually think that this isn't good enough. I was like, I think that the song deserves better and that the vocal melody, like on my part was just not interest. I don't know. I was just like, I think I can do better. You know, I think I can do better. And then I went home and played it and then came up with this new melody, which is the song that we have now. So I'm really glad that I did that. Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. We got lots more with Alexia coming right up after a few words from our sponsors. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. 
from Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal, the man, to Fat Mike from No Effects and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Hey, it's Chris to Makes a Podcast producer, Chris Fafalius. Will you do me a favor real quick? Go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe to One Hit Thunder. It's the show that I host with my good buddy, Matt Kelly, where we have guests from the world of music and comedy and art. And together, we dive deep into a band or artist that people consider a one-hit wonder and decide if they brought the thunder or were just a blunder. You'll laugh, you'll learn, maybe you'll get mad at us. Who knows? We have an enormous back catalog that includes episodes about Eagle Eye Cherry, Stacey Q, Looking Glass, The Weather Girls, Tag Team, Four Non Blondes, Martika, Creation, Sixpence None the Richer. I could go on and on. But how about you just subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods and experience the fun for yourself. And now back to the show. I got to tell you something else. And, and I'd bet the farm that if you sat down with a piano or, or, you know, and you, and someone said, I want you to sing pretty. Mm-hmm. I, I know you can hear mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what I'm getting at is that your vocal sounds mean on this. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a lot of times when I hear, and I'm going to, for lack of a better term, I'm going to call it garage rock and stuff yeah. that's supposed to sound raw where the, the vocalist is hitting bad notes. And sometimes it's on purpose. I don't hear that here. That's something else that draws me to that. You know, a bad note doesn't kill me in a song if, if there's conviction behind it. But sometimes when people are just going for that, it's just like, eh, after a while it gets tedious. But there's singing going on here, but it's not pretty. And I mean that in the most complimentary way. Yeah, that's always that's been an interesting thing, too, with this band is that like I have a pretty solid like classical voice. One of my favorite ways to sing is doing a more like when I'm playing around like just by myself and vocalizing. I almost always like go into a head voice and like do some crazy stuff like that. You know, and then it's funny because Destroy Boys, our sound evolved from like my speaking voice, basically. Like most of our music at the beginning was very much like me talking or me doing a sort of like right girl, like screaming, talking, singing sort of like combination. So that's definitely something that's been kept throughout and i really i appreciate that thank you um (laughs) well and and hey i was tiptoeing around the riot girl thing Mm -hmm. because a lot of people were quick to jump on that and i know i I, when i was reading some articles on on the band there's nothing wrong with the riot girl stuff the only issue i had with some of it was what i said i felt like some of the melodies were lacking and the message kind of got lost for me Mm -hmm. but hey you know there's other people that that immerse themselves in in that and, and absolutely loved it for what it was worth but i don't hear that here and i and i really yeah. think that that's that's what separates you all yeah definitely like this isn't why girl music this is like a garage rock song for sure and where i'm very melodic you know it is a, i am singing like it does have its own tone to it but it is like it, this isn't really like a crazy fast punk song this is more of like a well thought out like emotional roller coaster of a song well what i'm calling uh, chorus two is coming right off this yeah. we get the pre-chorus that i'm now gonna i'm now referring to the ah ahs okay and uh they come in here twice and then we get into the second chorus It's the same lyrics here. I want to scream, cut you up like you did me. Is this all I've ever known? Is this all I've ever known? Couple cool things in here. I love line two, cut you up like you did me. We get our first genuine harmony in the song. Mm-hmm. It's awesome that it's right there. Uh, pretty much for chorus two, we get the same instrumentation as chorus one, but those ah-ahs in the pre-chorus, they're now tucked mm. really low here in chorus two. Uh, and that's awesome. Do you remember how that came about? Did Chris Dugan have anything to do with that? Or were you saying, I want those tucked here? He probably did that. He probably, that was probably his own his own knowledge doing that. I remember wanting to do, like, definitely having different harmonies for it. I personally love 
writing, when I'm writing a harmony, I more so kind of like to write a new melody that goes on top of it. And I like to compliment, I don't really just, my first reaction to doing a harmony isn't to just do the third or just do the fifth or whatever. I kind of like to listen to the song and I'll kind of, I'll end up being in that range of like fifth or third or whatever, but I really like to play around and try, okay, like what if I go a lot higher right here and do that? I'm also hearing unison mixed with harmonies mm-hmm. on your backing vocal, which mm-hmm. I've I've always been a fan of that too. Uh, something that that I need to do more of. I've talked about that recently on the show. I always feel like if I'm going to do a harmony here, it has to be a real harmony, a true harmony on every word. It's like, no, it doesn't. There's no rules in songwriting. And I love when people do that. You listen to, you mentioned the Beatles, you listen to those, any old rock and roll record, they would do that. They would be singing together and they'd branch off on certain harmonies. And that's what I'm here happening here too. Oh yeah. Like I love the zombies too. They have crazy harmonies. Like, oh my God, so good. Um, yeah, the Beatles definitely also didn't get into the Beatles until probably like last year, which is so funny. I told my band, I was like, yeah, I discovered the Beatles, you guys. And they were like, okay. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you the, you know, the, especially there's, I mean, like I have young kids, mm-hmm. you know, they're not going to really know who the Beatles are unless they get educated. Mm-hmm. You know, you, uh, that it's a, a really old band now. And yeah. even for me, when I was growing up, they were only 20 years old, uh, basically the, the band, but they seemed old then. And it's, it, that, that's all perspective Mm -hmm. uh coming out of chorus two we go into the post chorus again same instrumentation as the post chorus the first time but i feel like the guitars here are a bit fuller Did Chris Dugan mix this as well? I'm not sure. I don't remember if he mixed it or if it was Martin Cook, but they're both very good. Whoever mixed it, it sounds fuller here. Like, you know, the guitars are up a DB or two. I really like it. Uh, It's the same lyrics as the first time. However, we get harmonies on the second line, live in shadows on the third line, uh, dog with no bite. And on the last line, we get the whole line. This is all I've ever known. And then we go into... This bridge part. Mm-hmm. This is the, to me, that, and not in a bad way, it's the odd part of the song, which sometimes bridges are supposed to have a departure. Mm-hmm. We don't get any lyrics here, but uh, I'm calling this a bridge slash musical interlude. The first eight bars are sporadic drums, stereo guitars, and bass hits with a new guitar lick. It's like this surf rock lick that happens here. It's a different tone uh, that's panned off slight right. nine through 16 the snare goes to a double time beat with the bass and stereo guitars they're still chugging along and that riff panned right is still happening that surf rock riff i'm calling it bars 16 through 24 the whole band is in drums get super loud on the crash cymbal then there's a one bar turnaround there's like a fake out to take us into and i don't know what to call this next part because i was calling this pre-chorus three with different lyrics Mm-hmm. 
So what do you call it? Because these lyrics are the only time these lyrics happen in the song. I'm going to read Yeah, them. they change, uh, yeah. And, and by the way, the back half of this musical interlude, okay, all 24, well, 25 bars with that fake out, the stereo guitars get the biggest they are in the song, and they carry into this next part until the end of the song. All the guitars get bigger. I absolutely love it. Uh, the lyric in question here, oh, oh, I'm going to forgive you so I can breathe. Is this all I've ever known? Is this all? Is this all? The last is this all is screamed. And that's the lyrical reference from the book you were talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, the lyrical reference happened later. Like that was an accident. That was like a crazy sort of coincidence that happened. Yeah. Like I didn't do that on per. Like I wrote, is this all? And then two years later, I read that book. I like, I picked up that book and saw that. And I was like, whoa, like the feminine mystique, you know, putting it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm saying. Is that like, it came. I misunderstood. I'm sorry. Okay. No, you're good. That's why it was, it really kind of hit me as a sort of universal um, emptiness that, you know, maybe lots of women feel. I'm sure lots of other people feel that too, but it's like feminine sort of like taking care of other people sort of is this all like, what the hell am I doing with myself? Yeah, the interlude, ugh, I love that part. It's so fun. It's like kind of my, I don't usually solo ever in the band. And so this is kind of like my moment to solo, like when we play live, which is so crazy and fun. And I don't really even know how this came about either. I mean, the whole song, like, let me just tell you, like the guitar is is very non-traditional. The Like what I'm playing, I could show you, I have one of my guitars like right here. I could show you, but I actually don't know what, any of these chords are for the most part. The chorus is pretty, is like G B E. Whatever you do, don't learn the chords because that'll mess up your writing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. No, so true. Like I'm telling you, I, especially with this show, the last three years, I started learning stuff that I wish I could unlearn. Yeah. It's honestly like, I think that me not being able to read music, like still don't know how to read music is like part of the reason why we write the songs that we do. Yeah. And then like Vice supports it with power chords, my, like whatever I can do. Yeah, I feel like, you know, not having the sort of normal musical teachings really helped me to just play with the guitar. I remember, like, I was just, when I first started writing this, you know, even like I want to scream, I set, I sing I want to scream because I can't actually scream. I was in a dorm room. I was like, I can't be doing that. Um, <laughs> and awesome. playing this guitar and just like, it was very much just bo born out of feeling and just trying to, you know, I don't know. Does that make sense? Like I was just trying to take how I felt and put it into music. And I'm like, I don't know any of the notes on this guitar, but I know that if I, if I just move my fingers around enough, I'll find something that clicks. So that was sort of what happened with the solo with this entire song basically is like, I don't really know what I'm doing, but that's okay. I can feel it. I can just feel my way through. I'm definitely hearing that. I got to ask, does, does Nars say, does he, is he influenced by any progressive type drummers? Like things like Rush, that musical interlude, he, he brings some really cool things to that part. Oh, absolutely. Like, I mean, Nars is a big fan of Dave Grohl. And so, and Dave Grohl has like a very, he writes very interesting drum parts. They like fit. I'm pretty sure he changes a good amount of it like throughout. And so, like, Nars is a big fan of, of Dave Grohl. And I would say Dave Grohl has a very, you know, he does a lot of stuff. So maybe that's where part of it comes from. And then also, like, Narcy's favorite, one of Narcy's favorite bands is The Police. And I know that they're kind of, they're not a prog band by any means, but they do have, their their music changes so much, like, throughout one oh, song. Yeah. And especially the drums. Like, Narcy told me once that there was, I, I think that, I forget what the drummer's name is. Stuart Copeland. Stuart Copeland. Um, that he will, like just not even he'll just play like whatever and and not really come up with a, a sort of structure but he'll just kind of play to whatever the song needs and so i feel like narce does that a lot where he um it's not going to be the same thing over and over again like he will tailor the drums to the song like you're not just going to put it's not fucking garage band drums like he kind of listens to what the song needs where the song is going to go and that's how he plays drums for it i really like his style well yeah. we're gonna call this uh chorus three with different words and then yeah. we get into the post chorus here and uh those huge stereo guitars they continue through this post chorus
Same lyric. She took the sunshine from the days. Now I live in shadows. I'm just a dog with no bite. Is this all I've ever known? Again, leaving the listener with a question. There's harmonies on every line here. Not full harmonies. We kind of are unison with some harmonies that we talked about. Uh, but I love how the song builds. I love that the, you saved all those harmonies for the last time here. On the word known, you hold out known for a pretty long time. Stereo guitar panned off right. That lone guitar is playing four more bars of the main intro riff, mm-hmm. and the song uh, the song comes to an end. Yeah. Um, I dig it. I, I, I really like this song. I, I asked you why you think the, the listeners have gravitated towards this, fans of your band. And I also want to ask, did you play this song before it was recorded did you have anything to gauge on like you played it and the audience went nuts and and what happens now when you play it i don't think that we played it before we recorded it actually i don't think we did but we played it together and i remember being like wow this is crazy like i was you know just being like damn like did we just do that that's that's insane you know because it starts off with just me you know it's like you know, kind of a little guitar, and then you put all the other crazier elements into it, and it becomes, it's like, because of the whole thing. I just wanted to add to, like, I wanted to, I changed those lyrics in the chorus because I wanted there to be some sort of closure, but not entirely, I guess. The song is really sort of, like, doom-focused, and it's sort of like, is this all I've ever known? It's a lot of distress, and I wanted to empower myself more than anyone to to like give myself a place where I can to go basically like, okay, um, fuck this person. What can I do? Like, I'm going to forgive you so that I can move on with my goddamn life, you know, which is kind of a thing that you have to do. I wanted to change the song at the end, but then I actually just kind of wanted to, you know, it speaks to the sort of cyclical nature of this sort of thing anyways, that it's like, okay, you're going to be in the good place where you're like, okay, I can forgive you. And then you're going to be like, oh no, I'm back in the hole. I'm back in the shadows. And then it's like, okay, yeah. I'm back to forgiving. It's okay. And then, oh no, is this all I've ever known? You know? I'm glad you went back and brought that up, Alexia, because mm-hmm. I did have that line underlined. I'm going to forgive you. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things in this song that's really lyrically stood out to me. That was the one line like, and as you said, you know, you you couldn't hold on to the, to the poison any longer. It was making you sick. So it's like, mm-hmm. I got to forgive this person so I can move on with my life. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, this song is just so like full of distress and just it really was born out of a place of like desperation and just wanting to feel better about things about relationships and about love and just like being really confused about all of that. And so it feels good to be able to sort of take back a part of it by being like, at least I can forgive you. I can forget you, you know, and move on from that. And then, yeah, I love like, you know, you know, I I never want to like overwhelm the listener with too many harmonies at once or anything like there's a place where it's like okay you're flexing and it's like not tasteful anymore i really like the harmonies to be tasteful because like i have a lot of range with my voice i can do a lot but it's also a matter of like what's going to be good for the song and also i think that by like having these sort of different harmonies that sort of come together and come apart like concentrating those at the end really emphasizes the end, the explosiveness of the end. And I wanted to, I wanted to get kind of like more unhinged as it went on. Throughout the song, you can hear different interpretations of emotions, like the different, it's almost like the different stages of grief. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like you get a lot of different, the second, like the second verse is a lot quieter than the rest of the song, for example, and things like that. And I just want, you know, we wanted the end to be like almost a train wreck. And it does, it definitely, like, that's what it feels like when we play it live, too. It's, it's, this song just fucking explodes. Like, we usually save it for last, and just as soon as, I make people scream, like, before we play it, so I'm like, ah, and then everyone's like, ah, da-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na-na. And people just love it. Like, people scream the song. Like, it's just so cool. I feel like it's such a release for everybody. Well, that's awesome. Well, hey, Alexia, I want to thank you for letting me comb through your song line (laughs) by line. It was an absolute pleasure. I'm glad I finally got to see the band. I kept yeah. hearing about your hearing about your name and 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 uh, you guys were great and I wish you nothing but the best. Before we break, I have to ask, is there anything you'd like the listeners to know what the band has coming up, what you have coming up personally? Let it fly. 
Yeah. Well, first, I want to say thank you for interviewing me. I really appreciate it. And I love this, like, deep dive into songs. Like, you know, one thing with being pegged as a Riot girl band and just being a female-fronted band in general is people just want to ask about everything except the music. And so it's really nice that we're having this and that we're going into it. And I think, honestly, like, you should interview Vi, too, because she, like, on a different song or something, because she would love to have this conversation as well. So I want to say thank you. And that it's super cool that you do this, like... I'm sure that lots of songwriters have gotten advice and and tips and tricks. One trick, really quick, you know, add a break in your song. If your song is the same, is if your song is like going through, like do a hard stop. A hard stop is so dope. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're the first person that's ever said that, but I have to agree with you. Yeah, a hard stop is so good. Yeah, can't disagree with that. Like that way, I can't fall back in again. But. Ah, you know, that was part of the song. You know, that's kind of one thing that makes it cool. But yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm super stoked. Um, and as far as things that we have coming up, we just released a new song called Shadow. I'm breaking down. That song's out. We'll probably have something new out in September or October. We're going to go on tour with Pierce the Veil, Ellis Dunes, and Dayseeker in November and December. Oh, that'll be huge. That's going to be tight. Yeah. We're probably going to have some sort of large show in Southern California in December, like a headliner thing. So keep an eye out for that. I don't want to spoil it, but oh well. And yeah, so we'll be on tour. We have new music coming out. Let's see. I want to make a zine. Hopefully, maybe I'll have that done by this time, but we'll see. Cool. And we're always doing, we're always up to some shit. We're always doing something. Awesome. Well, yeah. do me a favor and please give my best to the rest of the band. Oh, I will. Thank you, Chris. I hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Alexia. I thought it was awesome, and I can't wait to talk to Chris about it in the rap segment that's coming up, as well as the band you might not know. That's all coming up after a few words from our sponsors. Bowie, Dylan, Marley. You've heard the names, and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Krista Makes a Podcast producer Chris Fafali is here. Do you enjoy music documentaries? I think I've watched every VH1 behind the music ever. Whether I was super familiar with the artist or not, I was always fascinated with the story. Well, that's what inspired me and my friends to create the Docu Podcast. I think I just invented that term. A band called Punchline, which, yeah, it's the story of the band that I've been in for like 70% of my life now. But we approach the story in a way that's relatable to anyone who's played in a band or loved music or experienced heartbreak or struggled or has just been on a Forrest Gump-like journey through life. I'm really proud of this pod, so if you're a Krista Makes a Podcast or a One Hit Thunder fan, I think you'll love it. You can subscribe to a band called Punchline for free wherever you get your podcasts. Check it out. It would mean the world to me, and I think you'll love it. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, all you have to do is email your best song via mp3 only and a short bio to band you might not know at gmail.com this week's featured artist is hot takes a high energy five-piece band from northern california drawing on the sounds of anthemic 70s punk and pop infused 80s new wave they recently released a brand new ep here's a snippet of their song up all night Chris and Chris. 
So Chris, you and I talk a lot about young instincts in songwriting that ends up resonating with people that you kind of lose after a while and you wish you could go back to. But Destroy Boys being a younger band in the grand scheme of things, even in talking about the structure of this song, a lot of what she's saying, it's pure instincts. And that obviously has resonated with people seeing as how many people love this song. Absolutely. There's a lot of things that I love about this band, and that's definitely one of them. You know, Roger and I have been doing these VIP acoustic meet and greets with Less Than Jake fans, and we had a guy the other day, he screamed out a song. We take requests from like our first demo. And <laughs> I sat there stone-faced. I didn't, I didn't even remember the hook of the song. And then like, Finally, it came to me and I looked at him like, you want us to play that? It's just like bad notes, bad melodies, bad lyrics. It just wasn't a great Lesson Jake song. But he hears those instincts. He hears those were our first moves. There's something to his ear that that's appealing to. You know, it's hard for me to go back and look at it that way. But I totally agree that those instincts, you can't get back. And when you learn too much, it's hard to go in reverse. And man, it could be something... You talk about it all the time. It's the memories you have associated with the song. Even if the song, this doesn't really apply to this song, but even if when you're talking about an old Less Than Jake song or an old anybody's song, even if you think the song isn't so good, you can't replace that person's association with those memories. And it can also be a certain lyric in a song, which does bring it back to this song. There's a lot of lyrics in this song that people could really hold on to, especially if you're talking about relatable lyrical content when it comes to relationship stuff, being into someone but not being fulfilled in the relationship, that sounds like a pretty relatable thing to a lot of people. Absolutely. You know, she was talking about stuff that we've heard so much on the show that I've read in, in all these rock biographies that I've read over the years about that pain and being stuck. And we even joked about it, but that's when songwriters rise to the occasion. You know, when everything is, uh, uh, you know, roses and, and uh, uh, fruit, it's it's uh, what, what, what do you what do you write about? You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm not writing about roses and fruit anytime soon. No, but hey, some people might. You never know. But I could see Ween. Ween might write about roses and fruit. <laughs> but yeah, I, 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 uh, yeah. I love the, uh, you know, and I've, I've talked about this before on the show. You know, you can have the same progression running through a song numerous times, but if you have different parts over it, the drum part changes, the guitar panned off here is doing something different. It doesn't make it sound samey, you know, but at the same time, it holds the integrity of the song. I love that in, in this tune. You know, another thing that I really respected about what Alexia was saying was that they don't lean too far in, even if your instincts are telling you to go there, don't lean too far into the poppy side of things. They try to have some restraint with that. I sometimes just lean so far into it because it's where I want to naturally go. But I thought it was really cool that she talked about the relationship of her and Violet as songwriters. Well, one person, Violet in this case, tends to be the person who writes the poppier stuff while Alexia tends to lean toward the darker sound, so they sort of balance each other out. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, and, and every band has that. And and bands are, are, are so interesting. They are a sum of their parts. Definitely Destroy Boys are a sum of their parts. She, she talked about it. You know, they uh, they lean on each other. They all bring different things to the table. And you, know, you start switching band members and bands, you know, and, and, and the sound changes drastically or even a little bit. Well, yeah, you know, there's no two human beings that are the same same and you bring a different you know everyone has a different energy and um i like where they're all going with this i gotta uh give a nod to narse the drummer he he does some really cool stuff it's not your typical uh punk or or, or post-punk uh pop punk drumming here there's there's uh, some other stuff going on and and it really makes sense that, you know now that uh, she mentioned dave Grohl and queens there's, there's a lot of that uh, going on here rhythmically and she also mentioned as far as like influences and stuff she was kind of having a laugh about it herself, about herself, about talking about Nirvana. Oh, I've only been listening to Nirvana for a few years. I just got into the Beatles last year or whatever. But hey, it's never too late to get into something, man. And there's a lot of artists and bands that are like 30 or 40 years old that maybe I heard of but never really dove into and that I can get into now. I'm trying to think of who... Off the top of my head, I know there's somebody recently that like I'd always heard of and never dove into. I think, okay, for an example, this is 
it's been like five or six years now, but Squeeze is an example of a band for me. That's a, I knew a song or two, but never like dove into the catalog. And then I'm like, oh, to me, this band that's been around for 40 plus years or whatever, they're a new band to me and I can enjoy them like they're a new band that just came out, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, no one can help when they were born. I, you know, I, I don't know yeah. her exact age, but I doubt Alexia was born when Nevermind came out, you know, so you right. can't fault somebody and kind of like, you know, I, I wasn't, uh, you know, out, out of the womb listening to the Beatles, you know, like I, by the time I was a teenager, the Beatles were long broke up, you know, Lennon had, had been, uh, been assassinated it's just you know so you you can only start where you start from and to your point i love going back and and discovering stuff and and being like man how did i miss this you know yeah through this podcast i think we've discovered a thing or two like an artist we've had on and and been like oh my god there's so much more than i ever even knew you know so i hope that some people out there i think i've seen a lot of people comment this that they've discovered new artists, new artists to them, not necessarily a new artist, but it's new to them because they heard them talk on the podcast. And, uh, that feels pretty cool when I see people say that. Yeah, well, if you'd like to uh, discover a new companion piece to this podcast, Chris, sure. T- tell the listeners where they can go. You can go to chrisdemakes.com, sign up for our supporting cast. It's just like Patreon. It's like the same exact thing. It just has a different name. You'll get bonus episodes of The After Party every week. We release those on Monday as well. And there's a giant back catalog of them. And Chris, on there, we tend to talk a lot about music and music history. And I know that just in researching for those episodes, I've learned a lot about bands and music and maybe discovered an artist or two. And I'm sure that anyone who is a subscriber to our supporting cast maybe has done that same thing, has discovered a few things. We learn a lot of stuff. We have a lot of laughs. It's called The After Party. If you go to chrisdemakes.com and sign up, we really appreciate it. It really helps support this podcast that was a heck of a pitch chris off the cuff <laughs> mr fafalius thank you very much and uh speaking of mr fafalius give him a follow give chris fafalius a follow on instagram f-a-f-a-l-i-o-s right yep F-A-L-I-O-S. that's right yeah, i got it all right uh and g- give me a follow too at less than chris d i'd appreciate that and i want to thank this week's guest alexia roditis for sitting in with us and we'll see you next week Hey, what's up? My name's Lurk, and I'm the host of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Every week, I have in-depth conversations with bands from all over the scene, big and small. We also like to keep our finger on the pulse and showcase up-and-coming bands on the show as well. So come check out Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.